part of sales. Oh, really? I was dressed like the person you're calling on. Because it's subliminally, they'll like it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the month of May. It is, uh, wow. I think uh, the 5th is what they call May Day, right? Yep. Cinco de Mayo. No. May Day is May 1st. May 1st. And okay. May 1st. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, May Day used to do May baskets, and that was on the 1st. Okay. So we passed, so we passed May Day yesterday. We'll uh, be turning in your Bibles to... Uh, Jeremiah chapter 10. We're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Jeremiah and uh, try to highlight some things. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, circumcision right at the end. That seemed to be a fairly hot topic. And uh, last week, uh, Jim went through uh, kind of a history of Israel. Yeah, and that that was good. My dad and I were able to watch that from North Missouri. So, uh, just uh, we really liked the the animation of the little yeah. characters. Yeah. And you made you know pretty complicated topic, pretty simple. So, very very good, very good teaching. So if you missed that last week, try to catch up. Uh, thank you for joining us online, uh, Carol and Dottie and. Uh, I've noticed a couple people here at church today. Sharon DeLeon was back, and uh, it's good to see her. And Leela. and Leela yeah, Burton yeah. was here. I think she's been here a couple weeks, and so I got to chat with those ladies a little bit. So we're thankful for all our members and your encouragement to us. And so uh, anyway, um, as you turn to Jeremiah 10, I want you to also go to Joshua chapter 1. There, there's a verse there. I just seen this this morning that I want to cross-reference. Joshua 1, 9. And uh, yeah, some of you have memorized that. But <clears throat> let's read Jeremiah 10 here first while we're here. We're going to read the first two verses. Who wants to read those? Uh, Connie, you got Jeremiah 10, verses 1 and 2? Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the sight of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. Right, so there, there's these two commands, really, to Israel to hear the word of the Lord and don't learn the way of the heathen. <clears throat> and that that's instructive to all of us. And uh, don't be dismayed at these signs from heaven. But uh, this this word dismayed has to do with being discouraged. Uh, uh, my note says it's being like deprived of courage or afraid. And some of the things we get into kind of generates fear. I mean, if if you just watch only the news, you're going to be fearful, right? And there's there's other things we can do, even these signs from heaven, uh, astrology. and but, but look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. What if somebody read that? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> Joshua 1 verse 9, if somebody would read that. This is where the Lord was encouraging Joshua. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whether 
whithersoever thou go. So that that was Joshua's courage. Some people think Joshua was uh, maybe timid or lacked courage because several times in the Bible God would say, "Don't fear, I'm with you. Be of good courage." And right here, God says, "Don't be dismayed." And that's the very thing that uh, the Lord was using Jeremiah as his mouthpiece by saying, "Hear the word of the Lord. I am with you. Be of good courage. Don't be." afraid don't be dismayed and uh and the thing they were doing is uh they don't god told them don't uh learn the way of the heathen and i I want us to think about that for just a minute but let's go back to jeremiah now because uh now somebody read verses three through five jeremiah 10 three through five For the customs of the people are they. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as a palm tree that speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Thank you. And some people have thought of that as a Christmas tree, and maybe there is some uh, relation there of cutting down a tree with an axe and decking it with silver and gold. That does sound a little bit like that. But I think there's a connection because verse 2 talks about these signs from heaven. Uh, You know, maybe they see an eclipse and they're kind of uh, superstitious, you know, you know, maybe... Maybe they see a comet and they think that means something. Or maybe there's astrology and uh, they're looking for answers uh, in the, the host of heaven because they they were worshiping, uh, you know, the heathen were worshiping some pagan things. And uh, I, I guess I think of that more of like uh, a totem pole, a tree that they're carving and they're they're putting some silver and gold on it. So there there is there they are decorating. And and cutting a tree and making an idol out of it and the Lord says uh, that, uh, that, that that will cause you to be afraid and you shouldn't learn <clears throat> um, so he, he's getting ready to contrast this false God with the true God and and Jim said in his prayer that you know God is the only one that can help us with things and he is the living God he is the true God and so these these first 16 verse like the first half of this chapter is contrasting uh, paganism false belief false gods with Jehovah the true God and in verses 6 and 7 uh, I'll, I'll read those <clears throat> It talks about true God. Verse 6 says, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? For to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. <clears throat> so Jeremiah is giving a tribute to the Lord and 
verse 8 and 9 kind of go back to this tree thing. He says, But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. And so that's that's what I title this section here, The Vanity of Idols, these first 16 verses. And, and let's, let's cross-reference this a little bit. Uh, under letter C, I, does everybody have a handout? I don't know. Uh, Tom, you didn't get one, did you, brother? <clears throat> I should... Uh, yeah. What was that, Pam? I just, uh, you may be going to it, I'll just wait. I wanted to say something. Well, go ahead. We got well, a minute here. You know, as, as you're saying all this, uh, it's sad to say that almost everyone I know, except for my church family and a few church families around, that, you know, culture is moving them uh, in a direction that, you know, we are our own God. Mm. And so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, the gold and silver people's homes and uh, mm-hmm. cars, and, and we dress ourselves in uh, vanities, and, and you know, God, uh, the, God talks to us in the Bible about the tree being as a man. And, mm-hmm. you know, these mm. trees that are all around us, you know, they're... They're hmm. beautiful in their or that's interesting. Know, they're dressed, uh, and it's all uh, in vain. It's all vanity. So reading this, I'm thinking of people. Okay. Me. Okay. So, yeah, I hadn't mm-hmm. thought exactly like that, but I, I agree with you. Uh, it's Romans one, the creatures. Well, there's one verse that uh, Brian prays sometimes, and, and let me just pray it. And let me just read it to you. It, it's in the Romans. It just says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. And then he says this, But I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And and that's one thing I was thinking about, Pam. Uh, you know, we need to be wise concerning good things and simple concerning evil things. But we, we kind of do it the opposite. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, and and so people have become wise in obtaining money, and uh, it, it creates evil and vanity. And uh, you're here in Jeremiah. Look, look back at chapter four. I've seen this cross reference in four because it's just the opposite of what we just read. Let me uh, see what verse it is here. I don't think I wrote it in my... It's 422. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children. And they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. And see, that's the opposite of what we just read. God says, I want you wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil. And God's saying, His people have become wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. And I just thought that really 
described uh, one thing that uh, you know popped up on my Facebook uh, recently is just some gaming apps, and so I'm I'm watching other people play games, and there's some pretty wicked video games out there. I'm like, they're killing people and strangers and just blood. I don't know. It's just I'm thinking some people are wise concerning video games. What was that scripture in Romans? Uh, sixteen nineteen. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, let's look at a couple of cross reference on our on our handout here. Under letter C, it says uh, C Isaiah. Uh, let's go to the 44 one, I think, is the one I wanted to see. Isaiah, Jeremiah. So just a little bit to the left here. So there's... This is talking about this tree here. Isaiah 44:13. I'm trying to think Isaiah was just a few years before Jeremiah, yeah, wasn't he? 100 or so. Almost 100. Yeah. He was more to the northern tribes. Yeah, Isaiah, Zephaniah. They were around the same time. So Isaiah forty four thirteen, uh, the carpenter stretcheth out his rule; he marketh it out with a line, he fitteth it with planes, and he marketh it out with the compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man. That's what you said, Pam. According to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house, he heweth him down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself, yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread, yea, he maketh a god, and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image, and falleth down thereunto. He burneth, uh, I think it's through 17, yeah. He burneth part thereof in the fire, and part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth, roast, and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself, and saith, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god, even the graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. So there's that was going on about a hundred years before Jeremiah wrote about cutting down a tree and decking it with silver and gold and uh, fastening it with nails and hammers. So... Uh, Anyway, back in Jeremiah 10, they, in verse 9, oh, this, this uh, stock is a doctrine of vanities. There's a couple verses in, look back in Jeremiah 2, there's about, there's this word stock comes up several times in the Bible. And, and all of them are interesting, but let's just look at the Jeremiah 2 since it's close. 2.27 Saying to a stock, Thou art my father, that's Jeremiah 2.27, and to a stone, 
Thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, Arise and save us. So there God is you know, chastising His children. You guys are calling a stock your father and a rock your God. And But when you get in trouble, you're going to call unto me. And so it is. But uh, so... Th- Anyway, we we think that's kind of primitive or brutish, as it's saying. But in reality, we we do that with other things, don't we? We oh yeah, we got our lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, we have a lucky rabbit's foot. We might uh, hang on to or just little superstitions we have. And yeah, that's true. So yeah, so so true. Any any other thoughts about that? Anyway, God wants us to know He is uh, the true God. And uh, we're pretty close there in Isaiah 45. I like these verses in uh, Isaiah 45. There's one that says, he, uh, he will not share His glory with another. So Isaiah 45 Verse 6. Does anybody have that they can read for us? Isaiah 45, 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Yeah. Look down at verse 21 and read that one also. 45, 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient times. Who hath told it from that time? Hath not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. Just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Yeah, so he is God of gods. He's Lord of lords. King of kings. And uh, there's, he is the true and living God. So we we worship him we serve him we we study his word we learn his ways and we follow him and uh we we should not uh learn the way of the heathen and uh follow after the lost and in verse 9 uh, back in back in uh, Jeremiah 10 it, it kind of tells where these things are from. Uh, uh, Jeremiah ten nine, silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Euphaz. The work of the workman and the hands of the founder, blue and purple, is their clothing. They are all the cun- work of cunning men. And then verse 10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide His indignation. <clears throat> now, the, uh, one thing I started doing just a few years ago, I, I put all of my cross-references to like false gods in uh, Psalm 115. Let's look there with me. I think this is uh, Psalm 115. I think it's like verses 4 through 8 or 3 through 8. And it 
it's kind of like a full mention type of thing. Uh, can somebody read that for us? Verse 3 through 8. Angie, you got it? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. <clears throat> that they, they that make them are likened to them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Yeah, and so in verse 4 she read, "Idols, their idols are silver and gold, and, and that's what we just read, that they're the work of men's hands. And um, so anyway, I, I put a lot of my cross-references for false gods right here in my side margin. In fact, I don't think I have the Jeremiah. I'm going to put Jeremiah 10 and uh, verse 9 and 10 there. Verse 9, right beside it. <clears throat> now, uh, one thing, I'm trying to think of a good example right now. Maybe you can help me. But one thing we have to be uh, leery of, I, I think our tendency is, let, let's say, uh, I've, he- I've heard this in counseling situations. It's like... Uh, Maybe there's some secular counseling that's going to help somebody. And the, the people tell you, well, this works. Does that necessarily mean we should do it if it works? It might be a good thing, but it may not be the right thing. Okay. So, I mean... If I pull up the Kansas City Star and I read in the astrology section, uh, I, I'm, in, I'm an Aquarius, and I read something that I, it, boy, this sounds just like me. I should go do this. Yeah. I mean, just because it works or it sounds right or it feels good doesn't make it right. And so I do think we have to be very careful, especially in counseling. Uh, now, the, the example I, I I have heard and maybe used this example, may, maybe if if someone is fighting with their spouse or their children, even you know, we, we can give them count. You know, the Bible says, "Anger resteth in the bosom of fools," and we we can give verses, but maybe what they need is just. You need to go outside and count to ten. Now, that in and of itself is probably a good thing. You kind of need to diffuse the situation, right? But that's not necessarily biblical counseling. So you can use maybe some secular things, good reasoning that, you know, hey, it would be good when you're in this situation. If you get angry... I think I think we were watching we were watching a show and this guy was really messed up mentally and his counselor said whenever he got all hyped up and he was just ready to smash something you know his counselor would say you know Billy what are five things in the room that are blue 
and, and it really diverted his attention and it really made him stop being angry at the time and I, I thought you know that that's not necessarily bad it's going to keep Billy from walking out the door and <laughs> killing somebody but uh, it may not help him long term with his issue Pam I need to keep coming but no please do I wasn't, I'm not a Christian counselor, I'm a counselor who's a Christian. Mm. So my first job for me, my first step was to try to identify where their hope comes from, where their foundation is, where their structure, how do they base life, how they're going to make the decision. So if you're talking to a lost man or one that's walking with lost people, you, you that's where you start and you help them like put out fires and, and teach them mm-hmm. as they get a clear head mm-hmm. and they can see the things that, you know God's beauty and, and God's restoration they can see these things that God's put in place mm. because they can't hear it they can't understand this because their eyes are blinded okay. they can see God's creation so you get them clear headed so they can see God's creation. Hmm. That's where the counseling, you know, that's where the soul care comes from anyway. Well, and you know, Pat's going through some from uh, Isaiah 39, and it's a prophecy of John the Baptist is prepare the way of the Lord, right? And maybe that's what you're doing a little bit, Pam, is preparing the way of the Lord. If somebody needs to detox before they can be level-headed, to speak to him about the Lord, then that's a good thing. And if if you can, like you said, put out the fire, and before you explain the beauty of creation and who made this and what do you base your decisions on. So anyway, the others. Uh, but anyway, so it, it is. What is? What are you trusting in? What? Where is your hope found? And if it's coming from things or other people, those things will let us down. And that's what God was saying. is saying you're worshiping a stock. You're trusting a stone as your father. But when you're in trouble, you're going to call to me because I'm the true and living God. And there's none else beside me that Connie read. So anyway, uh, good stuff. You know, uh, that Tarshish, does anybody know where that's at, that town? Do you know, Jim? Somewhere on the coast, the Mediterranean. It it is. It's where Jonah ran. It's around uh, Spain, and uh, I think it's like one of the furthest known places of of that time. I think Solomon got apes there. Yeah, they, uh, there was a reference for Solomon getting gold or, so, or something from Tarshish, the ships of Tarshish. So it was just a very far remote. And so, yeah, that that's where Jonah was getting on a ship, I think, going to Tarshish. And he was fleeing from the Lord. It's like one of the furthest away places. So it's kind of those want to get away things and... So this was kind of like exotic. They're trying to get silver from this exotic place, this faraway place. But when the Lord was near and he was close at hand, they were rejecting a true God. Um, So verses 12 and 13 talks about the Lord's creative power. Um, uh, You know, Pam brought up creation and 
uh, Jeremiah was kind of a nature buff. Uh, he keeps bringing up a lot of things from nature, but in verses 12 and 13, uh, Pam Anderson, would you read those? He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. He hath stretched out the heavens by his direction. Uh, by his discretion, yeah. Uh, read the next one also. When he utters his voice, there's a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasure. Yeah, so that is just beautiful, isn't it? Uh, stretching, <clears throat> stretching out the heavens by his discretion. Um, you know, I, I've I've wondered this because you know uh, astronomers. Now, astronomy is different than astrology. Astronomy is just you know a study of the stars and the heavens, and uh, you know they'll, they'll tell you there's so many. I think even millions of galaxies now. Galaxies like. So there's billions of stars, but they'll say how many light years they are away. And I've always had a little trouble kind of reconciling the Bible. If if God made the stars also on day five, a little over 4,000 years B.C., like 6,000 some years from now ago, how can they be millions of light years away? And... Uh, Verses like this help me help me to reconcile the Bible with science because what I believe because it says he stretches out the heavens so God created those stars on day five and then he just moved them a long ways away he stretched them out to make him have the appearance of being far away. I, I don't know if I'm saying that. Yeah, to, I mean, we talked about rocks. Like, how does a rock look like something? Yeah. Like, well, God can make it look however he wants to. He can make it appear with age. and yeah. So I do think that the light we're seeing from stars that look millions of light years away or whatever, it's just God created him 6,000 some years ago and he stretched out the heavens and he made him look like they're a long ways away. I, anyway, I, I just like that explanation. It's simple. Well, time yeah. doesn't matter to God. So, I mean, yeah. years to us is different than, than the outside of time. He doesn't think so. Yeah. Or have the... Uh... Any other thoughts about that? He's not constrained by time and and space even. Hmm. Well, uh, so anyway, there, there's not a, a, a good comparison with Jehovah God that can do these things by his wisdom and strength and power and might and he's uh, bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures and we talked about at the beginning of verse 13 it talks about his voice and um, I don't know what you think about this, but in, in Psalm 46.10, it says that uh, that God speaketh with a still, small voice. 
And I really think that's how he, uh, yeah, look that up and read it to us, uh, Connie, if you would. I really think that's how God speaks to us. But in Job 37, it says, God thundereth with his voice. And right here, he's got this utter his voice. There's a multitude of waters. And we've all probably heard the crashing of waves. And so I'm trying to reconcile how has God got this thunder voice of roaring waters? And he's got this still small voice that he wants to tell you something. Uh, What does it say there, uh, Connie? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the, among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Okay, so be still and know that he's... So he wants us to be still. I guess it's in First uh, Kings 19 where he speaks to Elijah, that still small voice. Um, but anyway, so I, I, what I think... Kind of what I'm thinking here now is in, in creation, when, when God put the earth and the foundation he measured the line I think there was loud noises whenever he's you know throwing out galaxies and he's making the sun the moon the stars I think there's a lot of noise connected with his uh, creation but I, I do think he gets our attention in more of a calm way if that makes sense so if you're talking to someone you're using a calm um yeah. Oh, boys, if you're if you're talking to creation or the world or you know the people, yeah, have to have a loud voice. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm kind of discerning from this. Even so, I'm learning here too. So anyway, this uh, so this brings us. Uh, let, let's all look at First Thessalonians now. I want to, I want us to all to see this. First Thessalonians one nine. So I mean now now we're in the New Testament. Now we're looking at uh, an epistle written to the church at Thessalonica. This is to the church age. This is to you and I. And uh, I think I want to read the verse before it too. Verse eight and nine. Uh, G- Jim, do you care to read that? Sure. Eight, eight and nine. Yeah. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So that there at the last was Paul's uh, commendation to them that you guys at Thessalonica, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Does everybody see that? Um, and, And I know whenever Brian taught through this book he taught us that from Thessalonica you could see Mount Olympus is, is that in Greece? It's in Greece. These are the first Europeans. So yeah. And and so you can imagine that they're under the influence of some Greek gods and mythology and Paul is saying 
you know, you, you guys are in sample to all that believe in Macedonia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. And, and he's saying it's because you guys turn from your idols and you turn to the true and living God. So I, uh, I put the word idols in your blank if you want to fill out your handout. I just thought that that was, uh, it put kind of a nail in this passage of how people in the New Testament did what Jeremiah is telling Israel to do. Uh, but Jeremiah's audience did not do that, but they, they needed to hear it still, and so Jeremiah told them. So the word idols goes in your blank. <clears throat> and then this next section in Jeremiah, let's go back to Jeremiah 10. And somebody just read verses 17 and 18 are uh, a a paragraph marker it's 17 in my bible somebody read 17 and 18 Carol you got that uh, yes gather up thy wares out of the land O inhabitant of the fortress for thou saith the Lord behold I will slay out the inhabitants of the land at once and will distrust them that they may find it so now this uh, my example will kind of tickle you, but uh, you're you're blank. I, I want you to put the word exile. That's I don't know if that word's in your Bible, but uh, but uh, Roman numeral two there. Judah is on the brink of exile. Now um, I'm not very good at this yet, but when we when we send somebody to treatment or to detox like the Salvation Army they will do a phone interview with you and they'll tell you what you can bring you know you're going to need some toiletries you're going to need a few days you know I think the Salvation Army they usually give them a lot of clothes so they may not need that but you know you're going to need an ID a picture ID you may need you know some other kind of identification and so that that's what Jeremiah is telling in verse 17. He says, gather up thy wares out of thy land. It's like, get your stuff together. You're getting ready to go to exile. And he says, O inhabitant of the fortress. Now, what do you think their fortress was? It was Jerusalem. So I put Jerusalem in your next blank. You guys are getting ready to leave Jerusalem. You need to gather up your stuff. You're you're going to uh, captivity in Babylon. You're going to exile. In fact, um, it's, I, I bet there's a book in this room if it has an outline of your Bible it will say that Jeremiah is a pre-exilic book. It's a pre-exilic. So it's prior to the... Or they, they might call it an exilic book because they go into exile during Jeremiah. And and then uh, like... Um, I'm trying to think like Ezra and Nehemiah might be post-exilic they, because you're coming out of exile. So 
I, di- I didn't really look up a good definition. We don't really use that word, but you can see it has to do with exiting and leaving and going into captivity is exile. So uh, Roman numeral 2, Judah is on the brink of exile. Your next blank was Jerusalem. Uh, and then somebody, uh, Carol, did you read verse 18 or can you read that again? Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once, and will distress them that they may find it so. Yeah, I just think it's funny. He's going to sling him out. He's going to sling out, and that has to do with uh, it's going to be fast and it's going to be violent. It's it's going to it's going to take place. You're going to be slung out, and he he uses the word distress. I will distress them, and we we all know a little bit about uh, stress and distress, and that was that's what goes in your blank in letter C. God brings about distress via the siege of Babylon. So you can imagine if your enemy is camped outside of your house and they're banging the drums and they're hollering obscenities and they're they're getting ready to break your into your house, that would cause you distress. And I gave you the uh, Webster's 1828 uh, they gave an example. This they had some definition, but this was the example he gave: was a state of danger as a ship in distress from leaking, loss of spars, or want of provision of provisions of water. That was their uh, def, uh, example of distress. And so you can imagine, like the ship's going down, we're taking on water, we lost these battles, we don't have anything to drink or eat. So you're in distress. So that's and uh, my teaching point is Judah needs woke. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't totally get that that word in our culture. We use it. I hear it a lot. We need, to, but I think in this example, Judah needs woke. That uh, your false gods are not working. You need to uh, wake up and trust the Lord. Anyway, um, hopefully I used that right. No, Trying to be contemporary. <laughs> Trying to be relevant. Uh, so the top, <laughs> there's another buzzword, yeah. being relevant. Yeah. All right, so your last page here, we got just a couple more things. We've got 20 minutes, so we can do this. Judas, Judah's grievous departure from God. Uh, I put Jeremiah bears Judah's grievous grievous wound. He bears the word bears is what I put. Like you're bearing something. I think that's the right. Uh, well, it, it says it here in the. I think it uses the word here in the Bible. In verse 19. Uh, in fact, Pam, can you read those 19 through 22? Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous, but I said, Surely this is a grief, and I must bear it. My tabernacle is spoiled, and all my cords are broken. My children are gone from me, and they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent anymore, and to set up my curtains. For the pastors are become brutish, and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. One more. Behold, the noise of the brute is come, and a great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. Yeah, now, 
if you just read my teaching point here, it, it kind of communicates this section that Pam read that as go the pastors, so go their flocks. Because that's what it says in verse 21 that Pam read. For the pastors are become brutish. They have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. And uh, so... Jeremiah, he is grieved. He, uh, he he says, "Woe!" in verse nineteen. Woe is me for my hurt. He was hurting. Uh, Jeremiah was in tune with the Lord, and he's uh, commenting on what he sees in society that he lives in. And uh, he says at the end of verse nineteen, "And I must bear it." And so. Uh, Hopefully we can all look at what goes on in our country and not just kind of, oh well, and you know, just kind of check out and, you know, just try to look after number one. But we, we can have some burden and some, you know, try to follow through with our beliefs and our burdens. And uh, when it says my tabernacle... Uh, let's all look at this this is this is important look at the first chronicles uh, we can all find that uh, first second Samuel first second king first second chronicles 632 because this kind of gives us a definition of tabernacle Say yeah first chronicles 6 and verse 32 because it uses tabernacle and it uses another word. Uh, Jim, why don't you read that when you get there? 32? Yeah. Alright, 632. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation and was singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they waited on their office according to their order. It uses tabernacle. What uh, did it use? Dwelling place. Yeah, before the dwelling place. Of okay. The tabernacle. Okay. So that was the dwelling place of the Jerusalem. The dwelling place of the tabernacle. Yeah, but uh, the the tabernacle, the temple, was God's dwelling place. <clears throat> and uh, so the the thing that I see here in Jeremiah ten. Is he saying, my tabernacle is spoiled? He says, my children are gone forth from me, and they are, they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent anymore and to set up my curtains. So I didn't give you a blank there, but I, I wanted us all to see that the tabernacle... or the t- so, so to us here today, you know, when Paul says that uh, he says that... My, my house, if this tabernacle of the, do you, do you know in the New Testament, Testament the, the Greek word for tabernacle is where we get our word for skin. Yeah, this is in Second Second Corinthians five. It says that we he Paul knows that if if his tabernacle were dissolved that he has a home a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So the Greek word for tabernacle in 2 Corinthians 5 is skin a it's where we get our word skin. 
And so listen, everybody. I know everybody's getting ready to leave. But uh, this is this body, this skin is the temple of God. In fact, that's what 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God, which ye have, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And amen and amen. Our body is the temple. So God is saying here how grieved Jeremiah is because his tabernacle is destroyed. God's tabernacle, uh, the physical one in Jerusalem, is getting ready to be spoiled. And there's not going to be anybody to set up the tents and the curtains and and uh, take care of it anymore. So God is burdened about this. And the pastors, your other blank there is brutish. They have become brutish. And uh, Judah's shepherds and teachers have become like their idols. If, if you notice in verse 8, does everybody see verse 8 of Jeremiah 10? But they are altogether brutish and foolish. So he's talking about the false idols there. And look at verse uh, 14 also. In verse 14, every man is brutish in his knowledge. So the pastors, the people, and the idols, they've all become brutish. So that's what I had you put in your blank. And uh, so now we're ready for this last section, 23 through 25. Yeah, Chuck's saying brutish. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool word. Yeah, it is. You don't hear it a lot. <laughs> I picture, I've called somebody a brute. You know, if they got big neck or they're hairy, they look like a brute. Uh, yeah. So in verse 23, O oh Lord, I know the, that the way of man is not in himself it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps and so I I think this is Jeremiah talking and he sees what's going on and he knows that they're not going to find their way back and there's several verses like this in the Bible I gave you uh, some of them there I like the Proverbs 16.9 it's like man directeth his way but God guided or man deviseth his way and God directs his steps. So we we can maybe go toward the Lord and then he'll direct us in you know specifically where he wants us to go. <clears throat> so I, I like all those. And then I gave you a verse uh for verse twenty four, O Lord correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. And I gave you a cross-reference there from Psalm. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chastise me in thy hot displeasure. Where is that? Psalm 6.1. Yeah, I, put, I printed that one on your paper, actually. I know it's hard to look at your Bible and the paper, maybe. But uh, so, all, uh, so what Jeremiah is saying is, God, I need uh, correction with with justice. I need to have justice in your judgment. Don't discipline me when you're angry. I, I don't. We can probably all think of our own parents like that. Maybe you know you want to be treated. You mess up. You need corrected, but you don't want you know overcorrection. You don't want to be beaten within an inch of your life, right? 
so uh, me, me and my older brother, we we argued a lot, and uh, our dad, in his wisdom, our cousins had club calves, and so he thought we needed club calves. So we were in 4-H, and we were showing cattle, and my brother and I hated getting up early and feeding those calves and trying to walk them and groom them and all those things you got to do. And so there was one morning. I, I, I picture it being a Sunday morning. It was just like today. It was cool air. It was quiet. And our barn was. It was less than a hundred yards away, but it was probably more than fifty yards. So me and my brother are out there. We're in the barn. I guess feeding the club calves before church or whatever we were doing and we were arguing about it and we almost came to blows and I guess my dad and mom they're sitting down at the house and they could hear you know it's, it's quiet like this so they could hear everything's going on and uh, so next thing me and my brother know we're, we're probably early teenagers maybe maybe not quite and he comes in the barn, and the barn's still there, so I think of it when I go in the barn. <laughs> yeah. And he had us drop our pants in the barn. We were just in our underwear then, and turn around, and he took his belt off, and he whipped yeah. us both. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there wasn't any more arguing that morning. Yeah. That was it. You didn't, you didn't so we, uh, yeah. we needed correction, but maybe not in his hot displeasure like we're reading here. <laughs> But did you ever argue in that barn? Again? Not, not like that, no. <laughs> not no. loud enough for him to hear. <laughs> yeah. That went to yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it stopped the fussing. Oh, I think about Jeremiah's trip. But that, that's what uh, Jeremiah is saying. With Ella. He doesn't want to be corrected in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. So he, he feared the Lord in, in a good way. There's a good fear of the Lord. Now, now in verse 25, we may have a little discussion about this. Verse 25, Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not on thy name. For they have eaten up Jacob, and devoured him, and consumed him, and have made his tabernacle desolate. Now, uh, uh, hold your everybody hold your place here and I, I want us to all see Psalm chapter 5 verse 10 I'm going to teach you a new word today huh if it's rebelled we all got it no it's nothing about the belt Uh, somebody read Psalm 5 verse 10 because it, it, it's almost uh, David is saying almost the same thing Jeremiah is saying who's got it you got it Jim yep. destroy thou them O God let them fall by their own counsels cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against thee alright uh, so some of you may have heard this word this is the new word imprecatory 
and that and I gave you the definition there on your paper is it's a spoken curse now I I do believe that there's things and people that we should probably have a righteous indignation toward and and I think Jeremiah I think Jeremiah is angry for a good reason. He's saying that these heathen have eaten up Jacob and devoured him and consumed him and made his habitation desolate. So does everybody see that? Uh, so that reminds me when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he like oh, yeah. said he, he withered it. Yeah. And and he was using that as an example that Israel, you're fruitless, yeah. and he cursed it. It is a spoken curse. That's, uh, but kind of the, the con. So I, I guess I just don't want anybody going out of here saying, you know, Steve said we should pray for God to curse our enemies. <laughs> that's what I don't want you to say. Yeah. Because Jesus, and that that's your teaching point in the New Testament. Jesus says. To love your enemies and do do good to them that curse you. That's true. But we can have a righteous indignation. I mean, when we see, you know, we hear someone get raped or some horrific thing, we shouldn't say, "Oh, that's okay." You know, we love you. You know, for even though you did that, it's no, you you violated. This is wrong, and and we can be angry at that. Uh, and, and still, so I, I guess there's a balance there. It, it's not an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Getting green said not. Yeah, like when Jesus was tore up the temple, he was mad. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah, but he was angry, but he wasn't sick. Yeah, so he was, yeah, they made God's house of praise or into a den of thieves or a, a, they were making merchandise. So, so there are things that we should be angry about and pray against and, and that's what he's that's what Jeremiah is even saying God pour out your fury upon you know Jeremiah's like you need to correct me not in your anger but pour out your fury on you know this great wickedness that is happening so anyway uh, imprecatory that, that just means a spoken curse and there's several what they call imprecatory psalms where the writer is just crying out to God and saying God this is unjust and please correct it but uh, almost every time maybe every time the writer is saying it or doing it because it's a violation against the Lord. It's it's not like you know someone wronged me personally. They they ran into my car. Maybe somebody a hit and run. Right, man. I've got nice vehicles, and somebody just tore it up. You know, God, would you kill that person? You know, we don't we don't say that. Uh, but rather, you know, Lord, we see the direction our country is going. We're burdened about it. God, please uh, heal. Please bring about change. And so, uh, is there any other discussion about that? Those are good examples of Jesus kind of clearing the temple. And uh, he he had a righteous anger there. Well, I'm thinking like 
you know, where you can have a godly anger, what, what angers the Lord, you know, should we should feel this. There you go. That's good. Um, what Sherry's saying, what angers the Lord should anger us. Yeah, and, and the psalmist says something like that, uh, like, I love your laws, therefore I hate every false way. He says things like that several times in 119. Yeah. yeah. Let's turn the, turn the video there. Makes you never want to no thank you for your uh, comments and uh, thank you for joining us online we'll, we'll be looking at Jeremiah 11 next time and uh, hopefully this is uh, profitable hopefully we're learning and hopefully it's relevant and uh, giving us things we can apply because yeah we uh, we all have things done and, and we know that you know Matthew 18 says to if someone offends us to go to that person and try to gain your brother back and so there's ways of dealing with conflict individually but some things like this we just need to we need to pray about and and go to the Lord with so he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities so anyway uh, I think that's all that I had. Let's let's pray. We'll be dismissed. We're, we're right on time. Yep. We'll see you later. Facebook. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I'll pray, and then we'll close this uh, recorder out. All right. Let's pray, guys. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for this uh, time in the foundation class here, this uh, ABF in uh, Heartland Baptist Fellowship, and. <clears throat> Thank you for our church. Thank you that we have a freedom to come to church safely and worship you. And Lord, I pray for uh, Brian as he starts a new series in First John. We lift up the main service to you. I pray uh, be well attended. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to go out of here with uh, hearts uh, drawn to you and uh, tender. And just, um, thank you for each soul present. And uh, we, Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah.